people, I'd like to welcome you today to City Temple's live stream. This live stream portion of the service is just the sermon. And if you'd like to join us for the entirety of our Sunday gathering, either here at City Temple or online, you can get more information by simply sending us an email at info at city-temple.com. We're privileged and honored to have Marcos bringing the word for us today. Thank you, Marcos. You can open your Bibles in Second Book of Chronicles, chapter 20. We'll be reading from verses 1 to 30. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar. This is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our forefathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword of judgment or pestilence or famine will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We, look, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph, <clears throat> in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and, in, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at the great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeru. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites and the Korahites and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. 
And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in the holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, and who had come against Judah. So they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting to them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. <clears throat> when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked towards the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in the great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berak, and there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place has been called the valley of Berak to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat and their head returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit, Lord. Speak to our hearts, bring insight and understanding as we build upon your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I don't know how many of you like boxing or watching sports like boxing. My wife's quite, you know, I was just seeing two people, you know, beating each other up and knocking each other up, you know, killing each other, literally. But it's interesting. I, I found boxing, you know, recently more interesting, especially when I've seen um, some of the stories and actually even understanding the training that goes behind a, an actual fight, the actual techniques. I, I always just thought it's two guys really just hitting each other until one of them gets knocked out. But there's actually a whole, you know, there's really technical. There's right, really a, a depth to it that I didn't understand. And uh, then I kind of went back and looking at the, the great fighters like George Foreman and Muhammad Ali, Joe Fraser, and understanding the techniques and the, and the, the, the styles they had, the, the background, the stories, the anger and the hate and all the, the, the turmoil that kind of went behind these guys and the drama that they created. And the, the reason I kind of got into because I, I heard this uh, recent heavyweight fighter, Tyson Fury, and he says he's a Christian. Well, it could be debated a little bit, but he, uh, he's right now one of the big champions along with another a Ukrainian fighter. So uh, Tyson Fury is a British fighter, and this Ukrainian is a, uh, also another fighter. Um, he's got the other belts, um, Alex, uh, Alexander Usyk, I think that's his name. It was interesting to me to see these guys, just because they were sharing, they were saying how both of them are believers. They both pray before their fights. They both ask God for help to beat the other guy to death or something. And you know, they both have this this uh, uh, spirituality. But anyway, as I was watching some of this and listening to their stories and the testimony, some of the kids were with me watching, and I said, "Dad, but how can they be Christians if they're beating each other to death?" And, I said, uh, when one of the kids, I think, said to me, Daddy, they're just messy Christians. They're very messy Christians. They're not very well organized, are they? And I thought that was a really good way to look at it in a bit. But it made me think a bit about this story. I know this, how do I connect that one here? <laughs> the prayer. Because the, uh, the, uh, prayer and fighting and battles, it just sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Or 
we're fighting, especially if, if you've never grown up in church or you don't have a Christian background. You don't understand, you know, why do we pray? Why, why do we, you know, how do we battle things? And, and, and to, to fight and to battle is, is something part of a Christian life. It is a, a spiritual uh, um, discipline as well in prayer, that we understand that there's a battle. There's a battle that we need, and there's also a way to, fight, to, 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 to do this. And here in this story, Jehoshaphat, uh, is a king, and he had done some reforms. He had changed things. He had made things better for his people. He had uh, gotten rid of the idols and had kind of uh, restored many uh, things that the nation needed to be well. But there was also this messiness to it. There's this difficulty that other nations were against them. And it's kind of interesting because these nations that did not like each other, you know, how messed up that is. Two nations that didn't only like each other, but they found something in common to go against uh, Jehoshaphat and his king and, and the people of God in this, in this text. And so, to me, it brings these kind of uh, thoughts about prayer, the challenges that it brings and the, how we need to lean. So, there is this, uh, there is this uh, challenge. And the reason I say, because sometimes it's not easy for us to, to pray. Sometimes, you know, when, when a situation, when we feel like a battle's coming against us and something's coming, opposing us, it's easy to just do things on our own strength and our own ability and try and, you know, win or overcome it and, and allow our pride instead of humbly seeking God's will and even asking God, God, how are you going to bring this situation? And in this case, in this text, which stands out, is God was going to fight for them. God was going to give them the victory. And so they, he needed to learn how to handle this from God's point of view, not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on God. And, and you know, what the words of Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, without me, you cannot do anything. So God graciously brings this trial, this difficulty to Jehoshaphat's life, to the people of God. And, and it, you know, it, in this great trial, they need to trust in the greatness of God. And then you see all of, the, of this happen in Jehoshaphat when he, 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 he hears the news. And instead of being afraid and instead of complaining or instead of uh, giving up or, or, or trying to see, you know, and he had an army, he had strength, but we're going to see that. He had, an ability, he had people to, that he could use, but he was humble, and he recognized that he could not do this without him. Jehoshaphat shows he had to have confidence in God in this crisis, in this time of great pressure, and, and not to have a confidence in himself or in the pride of, of, of his prestige or of his honor, but to really know that he had to confide and trust in God. We see that Jeho Jehoshaphat had some mistakes. He had made wrong alliances in his past. He'd got together with King Ahab, if you read in, in, in Chronicles 19. And, that he, and he followed the Lord, but, and, but had brought spiritual reforms. He had done some good things. But that moment, and I want you maybe to kind of, when we get into the text, we see that Jehoshaphat was shaken by this, this news. You know, the, the, his sources had come and had said to him, look, there's, there's a multitude coming against you. They're coming from across the sea. You know, they're, they're a great army, they, and it's two of them. The two are, are coming against you. And so there was a coalition and, 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 a, and an army opposing him. And Jehoshaphat's life and his entire kingdom were, were on the brink of being completely destroyed. I mean, there was a reason to panic. There was a reason to say, you know, how am I going to get out of this? But what does he do? Instead of, what would you do if you heard something threatening? News that would affect your future. News that maybe put you into a situation of fear or doubt. And this godly king did the right thing. He called a national uh, prayer meeting. He, he called everyone together and told them, we're going to trust God in this. We're going to face this crisis with this trial, this pressure, 
together humbly before God. And they did it. They, li they literally won this war by prayer alone. They didn't have to swing a sword. They didn't have to get any shields ready. And there was no blood that they had to, to, to deal with. They, they were trusting God. And we can be confident in a time of, of, of great pressure if we let our great need drive us to prayer and faith in our greatness of our God. So we, we see this here. Jehoshaphat begins to pray, and he, he recognizes how great God is. His whole prayer, he begins to magnify and glorify God. So instead of allowing the, the situation to make him feel inward-looking or look at what he can or cannot do or what he has or what he doesn't have, he thinks and he prays and he begins to look at the greatness of God, at His majesty, at, at what He has done. A recognition of our need should, also, should bring us to look at who God is. It's easy to read the story and miss this, this so easily, that Jehoshaphat calls the nation to prayer, but he also... When you put yourself in this, in this situation, he says, you know, he, he could have easily said, you know, where's all my generals? Where are all the, the people I need to, to beat these guys and to, to, and, and to knock them out? But instead, you see the humbleness that he has. You know, it, can, it says in, um, uh, in chapter 20, verse 1, now it came about after this, that after the reforms that he had done, the changes that he had done, he began to... to to have these challenges that, that were coming from outside. And God was, again, testing his heart, testing them as a people. Uh, and he, it would have been easy for Jehoshaphat to say, what kind of deal is this? You know, he could have complained and said, God, this isn't fair. I've just brought the whole nation back to you. We're looking for you. I've taken out the idols. We're following you, and we're trusting you. And now, all of a sudden, this huge trial comes. And it sometimes can feel like that as, as, as a believer, we, as we're walking with God, we Especially if you, you're, you, know, you have your first love, you think everything's, you know, I'm you know, serving God, I'm now in, the, in, in ministry or I'm doing things for the Lord. And then all of a sudden, bigger pressure, bigger difficulties, bigger trials. And a lot of people feel that way when they've, they've tried to follow God and then get hit with difficult trials. They get angry and complain. This isn't fair, God. I was trying to follow you and I was trying to do your will. And I get hit with trial. And, and you know, and, and others, those who are not following you, those who are not even your your children are, are enjoying a good life. They seem to be prospering more than that. But he didn't pout. He didn't feel sorry for himself. Instead, humbly submitting to prayer. He didn't lash out in anger, but Jehoshaphat, what he did was, you know, began his prayer. He, and not trusting in his strength. And this, is the, uh, and this is the thing, the sort of thing we are prepared for, to call out and say, God, we need you in this situation. What is the answer? What is the, how do we solve this? How do we find the, the way to get out of this situation with you, Lord? So he, he, didn't put it, he, he put prayer first. He realized that he could do some things after he had prayed, but he could do nothing that would really be prosperous or worthy until he prayed. Prayer became his strongest weapon. Prayer should be our strongest weapon always. And I'm glad we're, we're in this, in this, here in City Temple, we, are, we have a house of prayer, we have a time of prayer before and after service and, and, it, and it's wonderful when we have that time and we break out into prayer as groups we're asking God for the change in our city the change in our communities the change in our families he, he didn't so I just want to just remember that he didn't fall in the temptation to panic or to get angry or to trust in his strength and his ability but he recognized his great need and he prayed and that's what we need to do when a problem hits, the first thing is to say, God, I'm trusting you. 
So our recognition of our great need requires humbling ourselves before God and humbling ourselves before others. And this is interesting. As a king, it was easy for him to say, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the one in charge here. So I, you know, God, you should give me the strategy. You should give me the ideas. You should give me the, the, the word. And I, I can't let the people around me see that, that I'm afraid or that I'm worried about this. On the contrary, something that's really humbling about Jehoshaphat is that his meekness and his humbleness, that he was willing to say, look, I am afraid. He recognized something. He recognized this isn't something I know how to fix. This isn't something I've got the strength or the ability. And he would told them. And so he said to his people, we need to pray. And then what kind of leader admits in front of his people? I'm scared, folks, because, you know, I'm helpless. There's an enemy out there. You know, that isn't good politics. It's very rare you wouldn't see a prime minister or a president say, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this situation. I'm, I'm scared of what's going to happen. We need to pray and bring change to the nation. It doesn't happen today. But it did in Jehoshaphat's time. He admitted his fear and called a prayer meeting. He had recognized that he was helpless and that he could have just done this privately, but he was humble enough to say, look, let's get together. And, it's, and that is something that we, we can do as a church, as a community, and as a family. Even if we sit around the table with uh, our loved ones and say, well, there's, there's a challenge here. Whether it's the COVID, whether it's the, the, the problems we're seeing on our government politics, uh, or, or financially as a home, or, or, or even the needs in our, in our children. Well, we can say together and say humbly, I don't have the answer. I don't know. Maybe we could look for it together. Maybe we can pray and ask God to bring that family member back to Christ or to change that situation in our, in our schools. Jehoshaphat wasn't worried about his image. He wasn't worried about what people were going to think. He just wanted God's answer. He needed to be humble for that. And I think that's why he gets this amazing answer from God. And, and, we, and we get that great uh, um, quote or that great statement, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord. He wasn't about a person of pride, self-sufficiency, but he, was, he wasn't going to let his, his self-esteem rob the, gl the glory to God. So when we recognize our need we humble, and, if, and humble ourselves, God will be glorified. God will be lifted up. We might not see the answer immediately. And in prayer, that's, the, that's one of those things about prayer. It's about consistently and, and daily and, and weekly and monthly and even yearly praying for our loved ones. I remember seeing a young girl in a church that I, uh, I pastored before, and I think she was around about five, and she would pray, I think, for, she would always say, Pastor Marcos, I'm praying for, so, it was her grandfather, I'm praying for my grandfather, and she would pray consistently and pray, and then a year, I think about a year or two passed, and, and he came to the Lord, he had his encounter with Jesus, and it was her consistent prayer, it was just continuously praying and never giving up. Well, she would, she'd also say some Sometimes things she would say things like, Granddad, why don't you come to church? Granddad, you know, you know God's in, we, we're going to hear a message. And she would share, but, but I know it's her prayer. And the family consistently praying. He, he, was, a, he was someone who didn't want anything with God. He was actually quite uh, uh, against uh, uh, the things of God. But today, he shares the gospel. He, he, loves, he loves Jesus. And I've seen him walk with God and, and he continues. But it's that prayer consistently, humbling. And just, you know, God will, will bring an answer. In this case... Jehoshaphat got a quick answer, but sometimes it takes, a, it takes time. Sometimes it is, a, 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 we have to persevere in it. It doesn't come the way we want, but it will come eventually. We'll get an answer one way or another. And so it, it drove him to prayer. And, and another point, we remember that the greatness of our God 
starts when we start to pray. And so in our prayers, we should not only seek answers to our problems, but we should seek God himself. And this is what Jehoshaphat turned his attention. Literally, he turned his face. He was determined to seek the Lord. He, it, it, it's, the verse 4 states that the people not only sought help from the Lord, but also they sought the Lord. They were looking for God himself. They weren't just looking for God's hand and God's provision. They were looking to be closer and connected to God. And all prayer should really bring us to that, to bring us to know him as a father deeply, to know him as, as merciful, gracious, and holy, and righteous, and, and coming to know that our prayers, not are just, you know, uh, we, we sometimes say, no, bless me, use me, uh, change this, and do this, the petitions only, but prayers that we got, we're, we're encountering God and knowing, even in that problem and in that situation, Lord, what, what are you dealing deeper in my heart here with you? I want to know you in this. You are good. You are a healer. You are a father. You are a restorer. You are, have done revivals. So he, he, he's described as a king who sought God as his father. The Hebrew word here, seek, can also mean to, to trample underfoot, to beat the path to God because you're frequent and, and you're consistently going in that way. He was con constantly in that position, in that place. And it's, it's interesting. It's all the prayer in verses 6 and 9. He focuses on God. And, in the verse, and, the, and then the last verse is he mentions the problem, but he first brings up and magnifies God. I don't know how it's when, when, when you're learning to pray, maybe sometimes it, it does begin, Lord, this, I need help, save me, get me out of this problem. But as we go deeper in our prayers and as we go learn more of our encounter with God and know who we are in Christ, our prayer becomes, Lord, you've made me a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm a son. I'm accepted. I have security in you. You know, Heaven and earth can, can be shaken and moved, but your word is true and remains forever. The Lord, that you say I'm a royal priest and that I've been an, uh, uh, called to you, that I'm part of the vine. And as we know those truths, that deeper our, our praise, we begin to, to lift him up in a different way. I wonder what, how, what we really have done being in that position of, of crisis and difficulty like Jehoshaphat. You know, maybe we'd have shouted, God, get me out of here. Lord, I want to be out of this situation. But it's important it's not to run and to God and think, okay, look, you know, God, like a, like a genie bottle, please, please get me out of this situation. Please, please turn this situation around. But, no, God, what is it that you're doing? What, how are you in this, in this difficulty, in this challenge? What are you doing? And, and sometimes we don't see it at that very moment. It's not clear in the middle of the battle and we can't see everything, but we, we have to have that confidence, that, that hope of the faithfulness and the character of God, that He is working th things through. Uh, even though I don't see, we don't see the answer, we know that He is working as we pray, as we come together as a community and st stay together and ask for support in these things. God becomes our sufficiency. He becomes our life. We, we learn to cling to Him and, and we learn that He can deliver us from all of this. And he had promised this to their people. He had promised that land to, to Jehoshaphat. This was their land. This was where God was going to bless them. Even the Apostle Paul reminds the church. He says, remember my covenant. Remind, remembering, reminding the church about the covenants and the promises he had with Israel. And that, to, that even though they were going to have difficulties as a nation, as a people, and even as a church, also to remember that they were to have joy in the Lord, even in times of great pressure. And God alone... To, receives all the glory. God alone, and this is the wonderful part of this story, because really God will be glorified, and He would receive 
all of the glory of, of what was going to happen. He was going to deliver them in a way that they never imagined. And we return to our God and, and, and see Him as our refuge and strength, we begin to see Him and, and glorify Him. Our trials should force us to lay hold of God in new ways that we would not have done if we had not been driven to pray. We should come away not just having presented our requests to God, but also knowing God better, who, him, who He is as our refuge, our strength, and times of trouble. Like it says in Psalm 46, verse 1. In our prayers, we should seek God as He is revealed in His Word. You are the God of our fathers, it said. You are the God of heaven, the ruler of the kingdoms of the nations, including the nation that's coming against us, including the troubles that we're seeing. You are over that. You are king of all of those kings. You are powerful and mighty. The one, no, no one can stand against you. And why, why is Jehoshaphat telling this to God? Not that God needed that information, but it was to help Jehoshaphat remind himself and put his heart in alignment with God and remember the greatness of God. To have that faith, the faith stirring up in his heart to remember who God has, had done with his people, the promises that he had given to them. And then he recites God's actions in, in, in chapter 20, verse 7. You drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And he's reminding his, his relationship with Abraham, he's reminding him of what he did. Sometimes we could do that. We, we, we can bring our prayer and say, Lord, remember what you did with this nation. Remember the revival. Remember the, the, the prayers that have been said over this temple, this building, Lord. Remember you've made a, you've, you've done, there were men who gave to see the, the building and the, the construction of this place, and also for families to be saved. Lord, remember the prayers of your servants who have passed away. They prayed for your children and their children's children, second, third generation. I remember um, Karen said something to me that really stuck to me because um, um, we, were, we were praying for the children, and she said something. The prayers, I think she was mentioning about my mom as she'd passed away. My mom had, had been in ministry for many years, and she says, your children have an inheritance of prayer behind them. Prayers of, of their grandparents and parents and churches that have prayed for them. And there's a richness, there's this reminding ourselves, wow, God, you, there's so much that we can tap into. And even here, I, I, there must be so much prayer invested and sown into this building and into this land and into the city of London. And we step into that inheritance spiritually. Every time we pray, we may not feel it sometimes. It may not look it sometimes. It may seem like we're seeing, you know, when is it going to change? When is the thing? But we have to remind ourselves. Like he said here, remember Abraham. Remember Joseph Parker, Lord. Remember the men of past, those men who sowed, and the women who gave offerings and tithes, the widows, the orphans, those who've been helped in this building, Lord. Remember those who've prayed here as well. Lord, you've got a purpose with this temple. You've got a purpose with our community here. Jehoshaphat mentions the problem at the end. He reminds God, and he tells him to, be, to obey him and the very people and, um, that are coming against them. He reminds them. Right. To remember that. And they're about to drive out Israel, not of their possessions, but of God's possession. So he's reminding them, this, Lord, they're not coming against just us as a people. They're coming against a promise and a word that you have for this land. And he, told, he brings it to all these before God and, and the, the people are hearing all of this prayer. And then the Spirit of the Lord pours out. 
the Spirit of God doesn't appear on, on Jehoshaphat, but on, the, on one, of the, one of the members or one of the leaders in the congregation there, and he begins to prophesy and give them that, you know, this, you know, to put your trust in God, that he will be, he will be the one who will fight for them, that he will be the one who will de- 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 to, to stand for them. And the promise is given through the prophet. And, and, and it's important that they had to hear the word, but also act on it. And they were asking for the worship team to stand in front of the army to go before and worship and to praise the Lord. And this may have seemed su- such a strange thing to do. They may, could, you know, it didn't seem something normal. Usually, there's strategies. You would go to, you know, get the swords ready, get the, get the horses and the shields ready, get, get the army in certain position, put them around or surround them from the back or take them from the front. No, get the guys with the, uh, the guitars and the drums and put them right at the front, right at the, the beginning of the, the army, and let them sing all the way down there. It made no sense, this prophetic word. It made no sense what they were hearing, but they knew that they had to obey. It may have seemed crazy to, to, to see this, but Jehoshaphat was encouraged because he had heard that word, put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established, you will be successful. Put your trust in the prophets, in the word that God has given and you will succeed. And remember that this battle isn't yours, it belongs to me, says the Lord. And so they had to continue going out there. And then this deliverance occurs where the, both armies that are coming against Jehoshaphat and the people of God fight each other and completely kill each other. And like they said, they didn't even have to use their swords. They didn't even have to uh, pour out blood. It was the, the, the enemy themselves attacked each other and completely destroyed. And there's a, this text, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf in, in verse 17. Even faith is a gift of God. So we cannot boast, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, that it's something of God that he receives the glory, that when we we, we receive our salvation and we believe God and we have this faith and we obey him and and we some and it sometimes yeah there's some a joy that comes from our heart from what God has done in us and that we're able to say Lord and I believe and I'm and tr- trusting you and I'm thankful for what you've done when we trust the Lord we are rewarded by him he never fails those who trust him and obey his word this is not to say that he who delivers everyone he that delivers everyone who trusts him for suffering or or even death, we will go through problems. We will see sometimes those go before us onto the presence of God. We will see difficulties and challenges. And even in Scripture, they said some lost their lives when they trusted God, those who had, who had suffered persecution. But this earthly life isn't the final chapter. All who suffer loss for Jesus will be richly rewarded in heaven. Every one of us who give our lives to Christ will receive that reward. And just as Israel was enriched literally by the spoil of victory, so will we be enriched spiritually through the trials if we recognize our great need to pray to our great God and rely on Him to understand that He's with us and gives us courage in the times of trials and and difficulty. So it's not about self-confidence. As Christians... I conclude in this, we should learn to and to join with Jehoshaphat in rejecting all self-confidence and trying to do things in our ability. Now, thinking about those boxes, it really is their strength. They're trying to beat the other guy in their own ability and knowledge. And, and some of them win, and, they, and yet all of them at the end will give thanks to God in one way or another, and they, they all say, thank you, Jesus. But it's wonderful when we see God give us the, the victory. 
that we can say, God, yeah, I don't have the power, the strength to see this turn around. I don't know how you're going to turn, make it better. I have a word. I do have a word. I have a word for my children. I have a word for my marriage. I have a word for my church. I even have a word for the nation that you've placed me in. And I don't know how it's going to come about, Lord. It's difficult because right now you see the difficulties of COVID and the, the political s- stuff that is happening around us as a nation, the challenges that we face as a community, as a church here. But our confidence and our joy continues. I don't know if any of you have heard of Corrie ten Boom. So she's the author of The Hiding Place and a survivor of the German concentration camps. And she used to have people come up to her and say, Corrie, uh, my, what great faith you have. But she would always smile and say to them, no, it's what a great God I have. And that should be our answer always. I know one day that we are going to look back and see this time and, and people are going to say, wow, what a great faith you have. What a great faith you have, Jovan. What a great faith you have, uh, Belly. What a great faith you have, Kate. What a great faith you have, Viorica. But it will be no longer. We have a great God and he's been with us. He was with us in that very difficult time and he turned it around. We have a great God. We have great faith and a great in, in his power and, in, and his virtues. Let us stand in prayer as we thank the Lord. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord. The, the battle does belong to you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, we have had prophetic words. Remind us again of what you've spoken over your people and over your nation, Lord, and over your community here, Lord. Remind us of what you said that you are going to to do and the things that are going to happen and change. Father, I thank you for for today, Lord, your your word, Lord, that we are to be like Jehoshaphat, people of courage in times of pressure, people of prayer and seeking you above all things, Lord. Lord, I thank you for every family here, Lord, Father. And I I pray, Lord, maybe there are those who are praying for, for loved ones to come to the Lord, to come to know Jesus. For those who are praying for for a situation, maybe even their, their, their business or their, their finances to turn around, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you give them that word that you are for them, that you are with them, Lord. That you're revealing yourself to them in this difficulty, Lord. Even there may be changing careers or change in direction in studies or, or change of nations, maybe, for some. But, Lord, that you are with them, Lord. You go before them and open doors for them, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, also for those that you healed. Lord Father, we, we thank you for that you've brought so much healing as well in this place. And I, I pray for those who are physically needing of healing. And, I, and for the, someone, a pain in your left hand, muscles, it's kind of connected to your left thumb. I pray for healing. If there's someone who has a need of prayer for healing, if you come at the end, we're here to pray for you. I pray for that. Lord Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.